The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is Father John Zolsdorf and another podcast. We welcome as our guest today, Gerhard Ludwig Cardinal Müller, the former prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Cardinal Müller, the former prefect of the CDF, has issued a manifesto. Uh, He leads with a verse from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now that is a signal that Müller is addressing many issues that are, in fact, leaving a great many Catholics today precisely troubled, with troubled hearts. All things are not all well in the church. There is growing confusion about the stability of doctrine and discipline. There is anxiety about what might be next. Hearts are troubled. Now, some anxiety can be good. Uh, Some anxiety, a little anxiety, creates clarity and action. Too much anxiety creates paralysis. These days, I often tell people that when they hear some goofy or bizarre notion, even from the heights of the hierarchy, they have an opportunity to seek clarity. They can go to their Catechism of the Catholic Church and look things up. In fact, it might be the first time in years that they've reviewed the content of the faith. As a result, the confusion could lead to a better informed rank and file, better sermons from priests, better instruction of children, and so forth. Uh, Good officers in the military and good fathers in families, seeing that anxiety and confusion is disturbing those who are under his charge, will have to, at some point, assess the situation and, if necessary, take action. Neither a family nor a military unit can carry out its vocation properly if they are troubled to the point of paralysis. So, Cardinal Mueller has issued a brief document in which he tackles some of the burning issues of our day. He does not aim this document at anyone in particular. He does not address any specific person. It is addressed to, apparently, anyone who chooses to read it. Of course, this has made the left pretty much wig out. Uh, A typical reaction came from the papalatrous Austin Ivory, an inveterate lib, who tweeted, uh, and I quote, A naked power play. Declare a state of confusion, then promote yourself as the one to resolve it, in implying that a former Vatican bureaucrat needs to step in to fill a supposed vacuum, you delegitimize the papal magisterium and confuse the faithful. Thus, Austin Ivory. Uh, Massimo Fagioli affectionately known as Beans, uh, from the similarity of his family name to the Italian word for the plant family Fabace, uh, also tweeted a reaction. Uh, I quote, In their interaction with the media, 
Curia cardinals should have some sense of decency and caution that comes from the awareness that they are not pastors in real, local churches. The virtualization of intra-Catholic debate is a problem not only for anonymous Twitter accounts. Close quote. Well, I think that's an interesting observation from someone who may or may not have obtained the uh, official and required mandatum to teach in the place where he resides, but I digress. In any event, I'll read Cardinal Müller's manifesto for you for the sake of making it better known. Now, there are so many references to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, CCC, woven into the text that to include them in my reading, reading here would make the reading very hard to follow. And for that reason, I will leave those references out. However, be aware that there are many intertextual references. Uh, with the text in front of you and a copy of the Catechism at hand, you could spend a good deal of time profitably looking things up. And with the Catechism itself, uh, you could check its own references to scripture and magisterial documents. So I won't include the catechism numbers, but I will give you the scripture verses when they pop up and other references, which are not very numerous. So they won't slow us down too much. Now, as you listen, tune your ear for Müller's confirmation that everyone, especially bishops and priests, have a responsibility to know and to live the faith. Um, pace Fagioli. Uh, he stresses that faith is a gift. And when we love, we share gifts, don't we? Now listen to how Mueller stresses the fact of the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Uh, how he speaks of the incongruity of communion for those who are in the state of mortal sin or who are not in unity with the church. Clearly, this is a correction of the errors uh, in the German church right now. Um, some of them stemming from Amoris, Amoris Laetitia and um, other odd promptings. Uh, he affirms ordination for men only and underscores that holy orders is in three grades. And if it's in three grades, of course, that's going to exclude women from the diaconate, which is uh, some people are all uh, abuzz about that right now. Also, uh, Müller makes the case that we cannot be silent. Uh, he points to the bad example of clergy who behave more like politicians than priests, uh, which seems to be what both Ivory and Fagioli want from those who correct them. In, in any event, uh, Mueller also stresses something very important to me, the importance of the sacrament of confession, of penance, of reconciliation and the importance of absolution for your sins. Everybody, go to confession. Uh, so let's now hear Cardinal Müller's Manifesto of Faith. Manifesto of Faith Let not your heart be troubled. John 14, verse 1 in the face of growing confusion about the doctrine of the faith, 
many bishops, priests, religious, and lay people of the Catholic Church have requested that I make a public testimony about the truth of Revelation. It is the shepherd's very own task to guide those entrusted to them on the path of salvation. This can only succeed if they know this way and follow it themselves. The words of the Apostle here apply, For above all I have delivered unto you what I have received. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. Today, many Christians are no longer even aware of the basic teachings of the faith, so there is a growing danger of missing the path to eternal life. However, it remains the very purpose of the Church to lead humanity to Jesus Christ, the light of the peoples. See Lumen Gentium 1. In this situation, the question of orientation arises. According to John Paul II, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is a safe standard for the doctrine of the faith. Fidei Depositum 4. It was written with the aim of strengthening the faith of the brothers and sisters whose belief has been massively questioned by the dictatorship of relativism. Number 1. The One and Triune God Revealed in Jesus Christ The epitome of the faith of all Christians is found in the confession of the Most Holy Trinity. We have become disciples of Christ, children and friends of God, by being baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The distinction of the three persons in the divine unity marks a fundamental difference in belief in God and the image of man from that of other religions. Religions disagree precisely over this belief in Jesus, the Christ. He is true God and true man, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The Word made flesh, the Son of God, is the only Savior of the world, and the only mediator between God and men. Therefore, the first letter of John refers to one who denies his divinity as an antichrist, since Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is from eternity one in being with God his Father. We are to resist the relapse into ancient heresies with clear resolve, which saw in Jesus Christ only a good person, brother and friend, prophet and moralist. He is first and foremost the Word that was with God and is God, the Son of the Father, who assumed our human nature to redeem us and who will come to judge the living and the dead. Him alone we worship in unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit as the only and true God. 2. The Church Jesus Christ founded the Church as a visible sign and tool of salvation realized in the Catholic Church. He gave his Church, which emerged from the side of Christ who died on the cross, a sacramental constitution that will remain until the kingdom is fully achieved. Christ, the Head, and the faithful as members of the body are a mystical person, which is why the Church is sacred, for the one mediator has designed and sustained its visible structure. Through it, the redemptive work of Christ becomes present in time and space via the celebration of the holy sacraments, especially in the Eucharistic sacrifice, the Holy Mass. The Church conveys with the authority of Christ 
the divine revelation, which extends to all the elements of doctrine, including the moral teaching, without which the saving truths of the faith cannot be preserved, explained, and observed. 3. Sacramental Order The Church is the universal sacrament of salvation in Jesus Christ. She does not reflect herself, but the light of Christ, which shines on her face. But this happens only when the truth revealed in Jesus Christ becomes the point of reference rather than the views of a majority or the spirit of the times. For Christ himself has entrusted the fullness of grace and truth to the Catholic Church, and he himself is present in the sacraments of the Church. The Church is not a man-made association whose structure its members voted into being at their will. It is of divine origin. Christ himself is the author of ministry in the church. He set her up, gave her authority and mission, orientation, and goal. The admonition of the apostle is still valid today, that cursed is anyone who proclaims another gospel, even if we ourselves were to give it or an angel from heaven. Galatians 1 verse 8. The mediation of faith is inextricably bound up with the human credibility of its messengers, who in some cases have abandoned the people entrusted to them, unsettling them and severely damaging their faith. Here the word of Scripture describes those who do not listen to the truth and who follow their own wishes, who flatter their ears because they cannot endure sound doctrine. Confer Second Timothy 4, verses 3 to 4. The task of the magisterium of the church is to preserve God's people from deviations and defections in order to guarantee them the objective possibility of professing the true faith without error. This is especially true with regard to all seven sacraments. The Holy Eucharist is source and summit of the Christian life. The Eucharistic sacrifice, in which Christ includes us in his sacrifice of the cross, is aimed at the most intimate union with him. Therefore, the Holy Scripture admonishes with regard to the reception of the Holy Communion, whoever eats unworthily of the bread and drinks from the Lord's cup makes himself guilty of profaning the body and of the blood of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. Anyone conscious of a grave sin must receive the sacrament of reconciliation before coming to communion. From the internal logic of the sacrament, it is understood that divorced and civilly remarried persons, whose sacramental marriage exists before God, as well as those Christians who are not in full communion with the Catholic faith and the Church, just as all those who are not disposed to receive the Holy Eucharist fruitfully, because it does not bring them to salvation. To point this out corresponds to the spiritual works of mercy. The confession of sins in Holy Confession, at least once a year, is one of the Church's commandments. When the believers no longer confess their sins and no longer experience the absolution of their sins, salvation becomes impossible. After all, 
Jesus Christ became man to redeem us from our sins. The power of forgiveness that the risen Lord has given to the apostles and their successors in the ministry of bishops and priests applies also for mortal and venial sins which we commit after baptism. The current popular practice of confession makes it clear that the conscience of the faithful is not sufficiently formed. God's mercy is given to us that we might fulfill his commandments to become one with his holy will, and not so as to avoid the call to repentance. The priest continues the work of redemption on earth. The ordination of the priest gives him a sacred power, which is irreplaceable, because through it Jesus becomes sacramentally present in his saving action. Therefore, priests voluntarily opt for celibacy as a sign of new life. It is about the self-giving in the service of Christ and his coming kingdom. With a view to receiving the ordination in the three stages of this ministry, the church is bound by the choice made by the Lord himself. That is why it is not possible to ordain women. To imply that this impossibility is somehow a form of discrimination against women shows only the lack of understanding for this sacrament, which is not about earthly power, but the representation of Christ, the bridegroom of the church. 4. Moral Law Faith and life are inseparable, for faith apart from works is dead. The moral law is the work of divine wisdom and leads man to the promised blessedness. Consequently, the knowledge of the divine and natural law is necessary to do good and reach this goal. Accepting this truth is essential for all people of goodwill. For he who dies in mortal sin without repentance will be forever separated from God. This leads to practical consequences in the lives of Christians, which are often ignored today. The moral law is not a burden, but part of that liberating truth, Confer John 8, verse 32, through which the Christian walks on the path of salvation and which may not be relativized. 5. Eternal Life Many wonder today what purpose the church still has in its existence, when even bishops prefer to be politicians rather than to proclaim the gospel as teachers of the faith. The role of the church must not be watered down by trivialities, but its proper place must be addressed. Every human being has an immortal soul, which in death is separated from the body, hoping for the resurrection of the dead. Death makes man's decision for or against God definite. Everyone has to face the particular judgment immediately after death. Either a purification is necessary, or man goes directly into heavenly bliss and is allowed to see God face to face. There is also the dreadful possibility that a person will remain opposed to God to the very end, and by definitely refusing his love, condemns himself immediately and forever. God created us without us, but he did not want to save us without us. The eternity of the punishment of hell is a terrible reality which, 
according to the testimony of Holy Scripture, attracts all who die in the state of mortal sin. The Christian goes through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way that leads to ruin is wide, and many are upon it. To keep silent about these and other truths of the faith, and to teach people accordingly, is the greatest deception against which the Catechism vigorously warns. It represents the last trial of the Church, and leads man to a religious delusion, the price of their apostasy. It is the fraud of Antichrist. He will deceive those who are lost by all means of injustice, for they have closed themselves to the love of the truth by which they should be saved. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10 Call As workers in the vineyard of the Lord, we all have a responsibility to recall these fundamental truths by clinging to what we ourselves have received. We want to give courage to go the way of Jesus Christ with determination in order to obtain eternal life by following his commandments. Let us ask the Lord to let us know how great the gift of the Catholic faith is, through which opens the door to eternal life. For he that shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man also will be ashamed of him, when he shall come in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Mark 8, verse 38. Therefore, we are committed to strengthening the faith by confessing the truth, which is Jesus Christ himself. We, too, and especially we bishops and priests, are addressed when Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, gives this admonition to his companion and successor Timothy. I charge thee before God and Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead by his coming and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, entreat, rebuke in all patience and doctrine. For there shall be a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they will heap up to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and will indeed turn away their hearing from the truth, but will be turned unto fables. But be thou vigilant, labor in all things, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill thy ministry, be sober. Second Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5. May Mary, the mother of God, implore for us the grace to remain faithful without wavering to the confession of the truth about Jesus Christ. United in faith and prayer, Gerhard Cardinal Müller, Prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, 2012 to 2017.
that was Cardinal Mueller's Manifesto of Faith. Now, I'm sorry that I couldn't, for practical reasons, include the Catechism of the Catholic Church paragraph numbers. A quick glance at the text, however, shows how many there are. Uh, It would have made the reading very difficult and hard to follow. And remember that each of those references is supported by its own footnotes, thus demonstrating the authoritative character of what is asserted in those paragraphs. You know, the inclusion of a paragraph, of something, anything, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church does not automatically make it true just because it's in a book. The paragraphs of the Catechism of the Catholic Church have footnotes, and the footnotes show the foundation upon which the Church's claims rest. They show that the content rests upon something that's authoritative. The paragraphs of the Catechism have authority because they are backed up with arguments and references to sure teachings. Uh, Recently, there was a, a change made, controversial change made to a paragraph in the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the issue of capital punishment, paragraph 2267, if memory serves. Now, you might just go online, take a look online, and see uh, what the new paragraph's foundational references are um, after the change. Uh, But once again, I digress. Uh, There's another thing I'd like to circle back to. Mueller said... Uh, in the last section entitled Call, he said, Let us ask the Lord to let us know how great the gift of the Catholic faith is, through which opens the door to eternal life. Therefore we are committed to strengthening the faith by confessing the truth which is Jesus Christ himself. You see what Miller has done here. Christ told us that he is the way. He is the truth. There is a congruity between the faith which we believe and profess and the person of Christ. The faith is encompassed in Christ, but Christ himself is even greater than the faith. And he cannot be reduced to formulae which we can learn and we can study. The learning and study can lead us to him, but Christ isn't reducible to the formulae we learn and study. Christ is a divine person. He was always going to be mystery. So we can make a distinction about the faith in which we believe, the fides quae creditur, and the faith by which we believe, which is a gift from God, a grace, the fides qua creditur. We can study the faith, and we can know it without believing. But once we believe, the content of the faith is far greater than it was without faith. It leads people through a doorway into a larger world, which is Christ himself. The true content of our faith is a divine person. We can't have a relationship with a formula or a paragraph in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but we can with the person who is that paragraph's true content. And that's why a greater knowledge of the faith 
a greater and more faithful reading of the Catechism and so forth, and acceptance of what it teaches, leads to a greater relationship with Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, many years ago, Mueller's predecessor, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, gave a conference um, I was present at, in which he was asked about Karl Rahner's notion of God as an existence modus. Well, after Ratzinger explained that notion, uh, he added, um, what Father Rahner forgets is that you cannot pray to an existence modus. You know, the idea here is that an abstraction is not something you can have a relationship with. person you can have a relationship with. In a way, the, the bare, you know, the ink on the page is an abstraction. But behind that ink on the page is something far more wonderful. Um, given that Mueller uh, ends with an invocation of Mary, Mother of God, I remember also something that uh, Ratzinger said in an interview many years ago when he was still prefect of the CDF. He said that uh, if Mary no longer finds a place in many theologies and ecclesiologies, the reason is obvious. They have reduced faith to an abstraction, and an abstraction does not need a mother. So it's lovely that Cardinal Mueller did wrap up this manifesto of faith with an invocation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God and Our Mother, and Queen of Priests. So the true content of our faith is a person with whom we can have a relationship, and that relationship should be one of love. And when we love, we want to know everything we can about our beloved. Catholics, in love with the faith, should always be reviewing and stretching and double-checking and teaching and defending the faith when necessary, which is Christ's gift of self to the church for salvation. But let's not turn this into a mere intellectual exercise. We always have to go beyond the ink on the page and seek out the person, the divine person who loves us and desires our salvation. In any event, when you hear some goofy thing out there, start, get back to your catechism, double check things, uh, deepen your faith, and make sure that those in your charge are also learning the faith as well so that they can have a relationship with the divine person who is its true content. And thus I shall end my rant. I hope this has helped. Uh, this is Father John Zolstorff. Please pray for me as I will for you.